0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Prime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Milaris. So I know I said in the last episode that I was going to do a one through twenty-five whole breakdown of the top twenty-five teams in the AP poll going into Week One of the college football season. Unfortunately, didn't have enough time before the BC game to give a whole breakdown of one through twenty-five. So I did one through ten there. Now I'm going to give a whole breakdown of eleven through twenty-five. And then at the end, I'm also going to give a way-too-early top 15 mock draft for the NFL 2024 draft in April. So those are just projections now, the way things stand, and what I think could happen. So we'll see there. And tough game for BC. Had a brutal loss at home in the season opener today to Northern Illinois. I don't really know where BC can go from here. I thought they were going to be a 7-win team this year. If you lose to Northern Illinois, things are not really looking too positive for the rest of the year, but it is only Week 1 at the end of the day. I'll give a recap of that game probably on Tuesday after every single game from Week 1 is over with in the college football schedule. So let's start off with number 11 in the country. That is Texas. They were 8-5 and last year. I don't see them winning double-digit games this year. I see them going, let's say, 9-3, and so just under double digits. Steve Sarkeesian is their head coach. I like him a lot. I think he's a very good head coach, but I don't really think Texas is going to be a team that we see in, let's say, the College Football Playoff this year. That's why I've been going nine and three, so just outside probably the top ten in the whole season rankings at the end of the year. So going to bowl games, I'd see them just outside the top ten if things do end up the way I think they could. If you look at it, they did lose Bajan Robinson, so their best running back, the best player last year on their team, is gone. That's a big loss for them, especially on offense. But they do have Quinn Ewers coming back for another year, as well as highly touted quarterback who is now a freshman there, Arch Manning, who is probably not going to play much this year. Maybe he gets a snap if Ewers does struggle. Ewers last year, 15 touchdowns to six picks with a rushing touchdown as well. He will not beat you with his legs, though. Really just a big arm um, quarterback. That's probably the way he's going to beat you. Their number one wide receiver is Xavier Worthy, who is back for another year. Two very productive years for the Longhorns 60 catches or 760 yards and 9 touchdowns last year and had 12 touchdowns as a freshman in 2021. I think he's another guy that will be a first-round pick in April. I see him being maybe the second or third-best wide receiver in college football. And then they also have tackling machine linebacker, Jalen Ford, back for another year. Almost 120 tackles last year, 10 tackles for a loss, two sacks, four deceptions, two passes defended, two fumble recoveries, and three forced fumbles. He's a guy to keep your eye on for Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Next up is the number 12 team in the country. That's Tennessee. They were 11-2 last year, but they no longer have their stock quarterback, Hendon Hooker. But they do have his backup from last year who stepped in when he got hurt, and that is Joe Milton, a five. 244-pound quarterback who had 10 passing touchdowns slash, and no interceptions in nine games with a 65% completion percentage, has good speed as well, can scramble and get outside the pocket. But I think the best part of his game is his arm has a cannon for an arm, can air it out 70 yards with ease and effortlessly. Honestly, if you watch his film, Watch him be a major deep ball threat this year. I think he throws for 25 touchdowns with maybe 8 50-plus-yard touchdown strikes. They did lose their best wide receiver from last year in Jalen Hyatt, which is a tough loss. Hyatt is now with the New York Giants. Very good player. I think he's going to be a breakout star for the Giants at some point this year. Tennessee did have a top 10 offense in five straight seasons. So credit to their head coach, Josh Heupel, who's back with them for another year. So I expect them to still be good at offense, even without Hyatt being there. And now, obviously, without Hendon Hooker as well. But Joe Milton is a very good quarterback. I think he's going to catch some eyes this year. They did a bottom 10 pass defense last year, which was a weakness for them. They do have three-fourths of their defense coming back. So maybe they gel better and start to develop a little more around each other. Next up is the number thirteen team in the country, that is Notre Dame, who absolutely blew out Army in the Dublin Classic last weekend, beating them forty-two to three. With quarterback Sam Hartman going nineteen of twenty-three passing for two hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns, and then Audric Estime, who is their running back starter, had sixteen carries and ninety-five yards and a touchdown on the ground in that game last week. They only allowed one hundred and ninety-three yards to Navy's offense. Ty Lavatai was a starting quarterback for Navy. He was three of six passing for 43 yards. They really couldn't get anything going on offense throughout the whole game. They got a field goal late in the game on one of their last drives, which I know a lot of people look at that and they say you're down 42-0, or whatever the score was at that point. Why would you kick a field goal? I'm not against kicking field goal at that point. Get something on the board. At least say, okay, we had one very good drive. We got points on something. Let's take the momentum on our last drive into next week. I don't really mind kicking a field goal when you're down that much, especially in a meaningless game. What's the difference? It's 42-0 to 42-3. You get a field goal out of it. At least you can say, okay, we had one solid drive. We could move the ball downfield to get Something on offense. If you look at Notre Dame, though, they do have a tougher schedule this year than they did last year. They play Ohio State on September 23rd, they're home versus USC on October 14th, and then on November 4th, they have to go and face Clemson on the road. If you look at Notre Dame, though, they have one of the best offensive linemen in the country, I would say the best overall offensive lineman in Joe Ault, their left tackle. He'll be a top pick in this year's NFL draft of 2024, for sure. He's a guy to keep your eye on throughout the year. The number 14 team in the country is Utah, who won the Pac 12 championship last year. Beating USC twice last season, which was very impressive. That means they're still going to be a dangerous team this year as well. If you look at it, they started off the season hot. Beating Florida a couple nights ago on Thursday night. Without quarterback, Cam Rising on center, winning that game 24-11 without him. Bryson Bonds was the backup quarterback started in that game. 12 of 18 passing for 159 yards and a touchdown. He found wide receiver Money Pox for a 70-yard touchdown reception. He's a guy he said to keep your eye on this year in college football as a breakout stock candidate. Utah defeated USC twice, so they brought a lot of momentum from last year into this year and still have a lot of returning players from last year's team, including safety Cole Bishop, who had a great night to start the season in week one against Florida with 11 tackles, a sack, a tackle for a loss, and a forced fumble. One of the best safeties in the country. I would say is at least a day two pick in the 2024 draft. At the very least, a day-two pick. Could maybe even get himself in the first-round conversation. We'll see how this season goes. Then number 15-team in the country is Oregon, who was 10-3 and three last year. They have to play Texas Tech this year, though, at Texas Tech. Have to go to Washington on the road and Utah on the road. So three tough road opponents there. They also have to play USC in Oregon State at home. And I think if you look at that schedule... I think it's a formula for them to fall under 10 wins on the season. I, think, I don't think they hit double-digit wins. I think they finished the season 8-4. and four. Quarterback Bo Nix had a breakout year last season with 29 passing touchdowns and 7 interceptions, with 3,600 yards, 510 rushing yards, and 14 rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown as well. So the question is, can he do it again? I think he's going to have 35 touchdowns combined this year, not 43 again, but you never know. I think he takes a slight step back from where he was last year. I think Oregon's still going to be competitive. I've been going 8-4, and four, but I do not see them being a 10-win team this year. We'll see how things work out. Running back Bucky Irving is back for them for another year. A very talented back that is a threat in both the run and pass game. He had 1,000 yards on the ground last year with five touchdowns on the ground as well. And in the year at 31 catches so with 300 yards almost and three touchdowns. And then if you look at it, Oregon also has wide receiver Troy Franklin, who had 61 catches, almost 900 yards and nine touchdowns last year for the Ducks. Had a great breakout season last year. They're hopefully going to have him build off of that this year. If you look at Oregon's defense, they had an average defense last year, averaging 27 points allowed per game, which was 75th. In all of college football, so middle-of-the-pack defense. I mean, that's what I think could hurt them a little bit, especially when you have to play Washington, Utah, USC, and Oregon State. I see Oregon going maybe 8-4 and four on the season. Kansas State, they were 10-4 last year. They're the number 16 team in the country this year in the Week 1 rankings. Quarterback Will Howard is back for them. 15 touchdowns last year with four picks and three rushing touchdowns. They did lose a big part of their offense, and that was running back Deuce Vaughn, who is now with the Dallas Cowboys, so he made the jump to the NFL. But last season, he had 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. He's definitely gonna be a big loss to them in offense. As for their defense, though, they do bring back their best defensive player, and that is do it all linebacker Austin Moore, who had 87 tackles last year with 10 tackles for a loss. One and a half sacks, an interception, four passes defended, a fumble recovery, and two forced fumbles. He's a guy to keep your eye on. Kansas State was good both ways last year. They were good on offense and good on defense. They averaged 32 points per game on offense, which was 37th best in the country, and they allowed 22 points per game, which is 29th in the nation as well, so they're good both ways. I see them winning maybe 10 games this year. I'll have them at 10-2 maybe in the regular season. TCU, the number 17 team in the country, shocked the world last year with a trip to the college football playoff, which proves that anything is possible in sports. The longest of long shots can make a run, and they did just so last year. TCU ended up being one of the biggest long shots before the college football season last year to make it to the national championship game. They end up getting blown out, though, to Georgia, 65-7, losing that game in the national championship. They are without their starting quarterback from last year, Max Duggan. He is now in the NFL. Kendra Miller, their starting running back, and wide receiver, Quinton Johnston, all went to the NFL. So they lose their number one quarterback, running back, and wide receiver from last year's team. The quarterback now is Chandler Morris, who was a backup last year for them. He threw one touchdown last year for the Horned Frogs. And they also picked up former Bama wide receiver JoJo Early in the transfer portal, who had 12 catches for 155 yards and two touchdowns last season. The number 18 team in the country is Oregon State, who went 10-3 and last season and just picked up. Transfer quarterback from Clemson. DJ Uangalele, who was the starting quarterback for Clemson over the last couple years. He was with Trevor Lawrence one year as the backup quarterback in 2020, even played in a couple games where Trevor Lawrence had COVID. Then he played two years at Clemson as a starter. Honestly, he wasn't a bad quarterback at Clemson. Just for Clemson's standards, though, he had to be better, especially considering they wanted to win a national championship. And after Trevor Lawrence leaves, it was supposed to be a seamless transition between Lawrence and Uyunglele, and that wasn't the case. He never really took that next step there at Clemson. So he transfers to Oregon State, who will play San Jose State this week. And you already know, I think Chevin Cordero is going to ball out in this game. I think he throws a couple of touchdowns, maybe two to three touchdowns. Even though Oregon State's defense is much better than USC's, and last week, San Jose State was able to score four touchdowns versus USC's defense, and also had three passing touchdowns from Shevin Cordero to Nick Nash. I think Cordero's capable of two or three touchdowns this weekend against Oregon State. I think it could be a tough game, though, considering how good Oregon State's defense was last year. But at the end of the day, San Jose State's offense was able to move the ball last week with ease on a good amount of drives against USC. So I'm going to have them scoring at least three touchdowns in this game this weekend against Oregon State. Running back Damian Martinez is back in the backfield for Oregon State this year. 982 yards last year and seven rushing touchdowns. Oregon State excelled both ways. As I said, their defense was very good. 16th best in points a Per game, giving up just 20 per game last year, and they had the 38th best offense in the country in points per game averaging 32 points per game last season. So, another tough game for San Jose State this week, but I think Shevin Cordero is capable of making big plays versus Oregon State, even though their defense, as I said, is much better than what he played against last week against USC. But if you look at it, he's also at home. San Jose State is at home. So, Cordero is playing in front of his home crowd in the home opener. Maybe it gives him a little bit of juice there and helps him move the ball a little bit against that defense. As I said, I'm going to have them scoring three touchdowns this week, maybe a couple passing touchdowns for Cordero, and maybe a touchdown on the ground by Kyrie Robinson. Next up is the 19th team in the country, and that is Wisconsin, who is now coached by Luke Fickle his first year with the program from jumping over from Cincinnati. He won a bowl game, though, with Wisconsin last year at the end of the season. I think Wisconsin's the most underrated team in college football besides Washington. I think they're very capable of finishing as a top-10 team in the country. I expect a very strong connection between quarterback Tanner Mordecai and wide receiver Chimray DK, who had a very good year last year, 47 catches with 689 yards and 6 touchdowns. Also had a rushing touchdown as well. I think he's very capable of 10 touchdowns this year with Mordecai. He's a former sprinter on track, so that speed is definitely going to help Mordecai be able to just throw it downfield and just let him find the ball in the air on a streak. Mordecai is coming over from SMU, where he was very successful as a quarterback there. He had a very big game against Houston last year, where on November 5th of 2022, he was 28-37 of passing with a 76% completion percentage, 379 passing yards, nine passing touchdowns, let me repeat it, nine passing touchdowns, 8 carries for 54 yards and a rushing touchdown as well. For 10 total touchdowns in that game, SMU ended up beating Houston on that day, 77-63. He finished last year for SMU with 33 passing touchdowns, 10 to deceptions, and 2 rushing touchdowns. And in 2021, he had 39 passing touchdowns to 12 picks. I think he's very capable of a big year this year. I think Mordecai goes for, let's say, 40 passing touchdowns this year is my projection. And I'd say maybe 5 rushing touchdowns as well. I have 45 touchdowns from Mordecai on the year. As a DK, I think he's very capable of 10... 10- Touchdown receptions for Mordecai on the season. If you look at Wisconsin's defense, they were very good last year, allowing just 20 points per game, which was 17th best in the country. What held them up was their offense, though, and they didn't have Luke Fickle at head coach at that point, and they didn't have Tanner Mordecai at quarterback last year. They averaged 26 points per game last season, which was 77th in college football, but now they add a very talented quarterback in Mordecai, who could do a ton under pressure, very strong arm that can make NFL throws. I expect a big year from him. Running back Braylon Allen returns, one of the best running backs in the country, definitely a guy to get to know early in the season. 11 rushing touchdowns last year with 1,242 rushing yards on the ground. He's in position for a big year this year for Wisconsin. I expect him to have maybe 15 touchdowns on the ground, considering now they have a better offense. He's going to have more red zone opportunities. I expect him to score a lot this year. They did lose John Torchio, who had five interceptions for them last year, and also Nick Herbig, who had 11 sacks last year for that Wisconsin defense. But they do add for a Boston College defensive back in Jason Matry. He's going to help out in the defensive backfield. 42 tackles last year with two tackles for loss and interception and six passes defended for the Boston College Eagles defense. Plays with all hot and hustle. I'm a big fan of Matry. I think he's going to do big things this year for that Wisconsin defense. Wisconsin does have to play Ohio State in Week 9 and Iowa in Week 7. But I think they're in position to make a run in the Big 10 East, I think they're one of the most underrated teams in the country with Washington. I expect both those teams to be top 10 teams by the end of the season, even though Washington is already considered a top 10 team anyways at number 10 right now. I think both those teams finish as a top 10 team. I think Washington has a chance at the college football playoff, which I just said in my episode earlier. The number 20 team in the country is Oklahoma, who struggled heavily on defense last year, 11 33 points per game, which was 99th in the country. Their offense scored 33 points per game, so they gave up 33 game, they scored 33 game. They had 33 points per game on offense, Was 33rd best in the country, but they did lose starting running back Eric Gray to the NFL draft, being drafted by the New York Giants. Gray last year had 1,300 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. Their quarterback is back, though, for the Oklahoma offense, and that is quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who had 3,100 passing yards last year, 25 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 315 rushing yards, and 6 rushing touchdowns for the Sooners offense. They lost their two best receivers, though, in Braden Willis and Marvin Mims, both of them going to the NFL, so they're going to have to make up that offensive production on the year. Defensive end Ethan Downs led them in tackles for a loss last year and is back for another season for the Sooners defense. He had 13 and a half tackles for a loss last year with four and a half sacks, three passes defended, and a fumble recovery. The number 21 team in the country is North Carolina, who was 9 and 5 last year. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Drake May, who lit up college football last year, had seven interceptions with 38 passing touchdowns and 4,300 passing yards with 700 rushing yards on the ground and 7 rushing touchdowns, so 45 total touchdowns last season. Kid is a pure playmaker and is primed to be a top 5 pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. They did lose their top wide receiver in Josh Downs to the Colts. He had 94 catches last year with May, 1,000 yards and 11 touchdowns in the air. They did add Devontae Walker, though, to take some of that production that they're losing with Downs leaving. Devontae Walker is a transfer from Kent State. He had 58 catches last year with 900 yards and 11 receiving touchdowns for the Kent State offense with a rushing touchdown as well. So 12 total touchdowns last year for Walker. He's a bigger receiver, 6'3", 175, who spreads the field well, can go up and get it. I think he's a big year with May. I'm thinking 70 catches for 1,300 yards and 14 touchdowns. That's just a projection. I take 12 touchdowns this year from him, considering he's going to play better defenses now in the ACC than he had to play against in the MAC. UNC's defense is returning one of the best linebackers and one of the best defensive players in the country, and that is Cedric Gray, who is back for another year with the Ty Hills defense. Had 145 tackles last season with 12 tackles or loss, a sack, two interceptions, six passes defended, two fumble recoveries, and three forced fumbles. The kid is a pure playmaker and does it all. Great pursuit when making tackles, and he's also been very good in coverage over the last year for North Carolina, holds his own in coverage, which is very much needed in today's day as a linebacker in college football and, honestly, the NFL in general. He's a guy to keep your eye on. UNC went 9-5 and last year. I expect them to win nine games again this year, maybe 10. We'll see. I think they have a tougher schedule this year, though, than they did last year. If you look at it, they were 9-5 and last year. I expect them to go maybe 9-3 and or 10-2 and this year. They do play Clemson later on the season on November 18th. And they open up their season tonight against South Carolina, which is going to be a good game to watch. I think North Carolina is the better team. So I'm going to take them winning that game. And I also have them going, let's say, 10-2 on the year. Tough game against Clemson. Maybe they lose another game along the way. Or maybe even beat Clemson at the end of the year. Who knows what each team's going to look like in November. I'm going to go with North Carolina finishing their regular season 10-2. So see how things work out there. They have one of the best defensive players in the country They're setting, Cedric Gray, a very good quarterback in Drake May. And Devontae Walker is a wide receiver that I think can develop his game even more with UNC, especially with Drake May as his quarterback. So I think they could be very dangerous as a team in the ACC this year. I have them going 10-2. The number 22 team in the country is Ole Miss, who finished last season 8-5. They had 33.5 points per game on offense, which was 29th in the country. But they had a middle-of-the-pack defense, which held them up a little bit, especially in their bowl game against Texas Tech, losing that game 42-25. to Quarterback Jackson Dott is still there for them at the helm. 20 touchdowns last year with 11 interceptions, nearly 3,000 passing yards and 600 rushing yards on the ground with a rushing touchdown as well. Lane Kiffin is still their head coach, so they're always going to be competitive with him as their head coach. They lost linebacker Tavius Robinson to the Ravens in the fourth round of the NFL draft. Robinson is going to be a guy to keep your eye on as an underrated player in that Ravens defense. If you look at what he did last year for Ole Miss, he was very productive. Eight tackles were lost, seven sacks, a pass defended, two fumble recoveries, and five forced fumbles. So obviously a very big hitter and has a knack for hitting the ball out out of receivers and running backs' hands and quarterbacks' hands. Five forced fumbles, which is very impressive. He's a guy to keep your eye on for Baltimore's defense. If you look at Ole Miss, they're bringing back their top quarterback from last year, and that is senior DeAndre Prince, who had 39 tackles last year with the tackle for a loss, interception, and 11 passes defended, which was number one on the team there in passes defended. They did lose their top two receivers, though, in Jonathan Mingo and Malik Heath to the NFL. Heath could be a sleeper in the Packers' depth chart. He was an undrafted free agent and made the Packers' roster. He's a guy to keep your eye on, maybe, throughout the course of the season there in Green Bay. The best returner is running back Quinshawn Judkins who is one of the best running backs in all college football. 1,567 rushing yards last year with 16 touchdowns on the ground and a touchdown reception as well. He's a guy to keep your eye on to maybe even be a potential Heisman candidate. I've been finishing in the top five, right around the top five. I think I'm tied with what I said earlier was with Michael Pratt of Tulane for fifth in the Heisman vote. They also do have a returning wide receiver in Jordan Watkins who is definitely going to help Jackson Dot move the ball down the field again this year. He had 40 catches last year for 449 yards and two touchdowns. He's expected to take a big step up especially with Mingo and Heath leaving for the NFL. Ole Miss does have a tough schedule this year though. At the number 24 team in the country, Tulane at the number four team in the country, Alabama, at the number five team in the country, LSU, versus the number 23 team in the country, Texas A&M at home, and then at Georgia. So that's five tough games there. Five tough games. I think they probably go two and three, three and two in that stretch at best. So with that tough schedule, having to face a number one, number four, and number five teams in the country, I think it's going to be tough for them to be a 10-win team this season. I think they're capable of winning maybe two or maybe three of those five games. But if you look at it, I think they lose to Alabama, I think they lose to Georgia, and then... Probably lose one game between A&M, LSU, and Tulane. So at the end of the day, I have them losing, I'd say, at least three games in the season. I do not have them finishing with double-digit wins in the regular season. That's got to be one of the toughest schedules in the country, though, having to go up against Alabama, LSU, and Georgia not really easy of a schedule there, but Lane Kiffin's a very good head coach. We'll see what Ole Miss does this year, and if Jackson Dot takes a step up at the quarterback position for them. The number 23 team in the country is Texas A&M. They were 5-7 last year. Cornerback Connor Weigman is back at quarterback for them. He played in five games last year at eight passing touchdowns with no interceptions and a 55% completion percentage with 3.6 yards per carry. Does like to run the ball a little bit as well. They lose Devon A-Chain, who was their top running back last year, goes to the Miami Dolphins. I think he's a sleeper in fantasy football this year. He's a kid that that's going to make plays. Adds explosiveness. Has like a four 40 yard dash, and already adds speed to an already fast paced offense. I think he's going to do big things there in Miami's offense this year with Jalen Waddle, two attack of aloa, and Tyreek Hill. That offense is primed to put up top numbers in the NFL. Texas A and M's top receiver last year was Evan Stewart, who led them in receptions and in receiving yards last year. He's back for another season on that offense. Fifty three catches for six hundred and forty nine yards last year and two touchdowns. I expect him to put up his touchdown total this year, maybe to five touchdowns, I'd say 800 yards, five touchdowns, maybe 65 catches. I think he goes up a little bit this season and makes more plays for that A&M offense. As for the Aggies, though, defense wasn't the issue for them last year. It was that offense. Their defense averaged only 21 points allowed per game, which was 25th best in college football. Offense, though, only averaged 23 points per game which was 107th in all college football. So the defense wasn't the issue. It was their offense. They have to get better offensively this year. And without A-Chain, as they're starting back, that's definitely lost. loss. We'll see if they can add explosiveness elsewhere with A-Chain being gone. A guy to keep your eye on is hot hitting safety, Damani Richardson, who had 73 tackles last season for the Aggies defense with two and a half tackles for loss and interception, five passes defended, two fumble recovery touchdowns and a forced fumble. He's now an experienced senior and definitely a guy to keep your eye on. One of the best defensive backs, though, I'd say, in the SEC and very hot hitting safety. I'd like to see him do big things this year for that Aggies defense, and they still Jimbo Fisher as their head coach. Very good college football coach over his career. He'll figure out a way to make them a better team this year. They went five and seven last year. I expect them to make a bowl game this year maybe win six games now on to the number 24 team in the country that is Tulane who was 12-2 last year one of the most underrated teams in the country last season probably because of their quarterback who was also one of the most underrated players in all college football last season. That was Michael Pratt, who lit up USC's defense in their bowl game last year between USC and Tulane. He had 27 passing touchdowns with five interceptions, 3,000 passing yards, 478 rushing yards, and 10 rushing touchdowns last year. He's a guy people should get to know early this season in college football. He's a guy to keep your eye on to have a big breakout season. Last year, 27 passing touchdowns with 10 picks. I think he's capable of going for, let's say, 45 touchdowns this season. I had him finishing, I think, fifth in my Heisman vote. Tied with Quinshaw Judkins of Ole Miss, the starting running back there that I just mentioned. I was really torn between who would be fifth between those two, so I just listed them both as fifth and had them tied there since I like both players. I think they can both have big seasons this year yet again. Tulane's starting running back was Tyje Spears last year, who ends up leaving and going to the Tennessee Titans. He had 19 rushing touchdowns last year with two touchdown receptions, 1,581 rushing yards as well. He should get some touches behind Derrick Henry this year, a back that could help you in a ton of ways. He could help you in the pass game. And obviously very strong in the run game with 19 rushing touchdowns. So he's got to keep your eye on maybe to take some touches away from Derrick Henry and maybe help Derrick Henry not get worn down by the end of the season. Henry's been taking 30, 35 touches a game, you know, for the last two seasons for the Tennessee Titans offense. It's really worn him down. 25, 30 touches a game is a lot for a running back. So I think Spears is going to step in and take some pressure away from Derrick Henry in that Titans offense. At least I hope for Derrick Henry's sake, because he has gotten worn down by the end of the season the last couple of years. Tulane's best wide receiver last year was Jaquan Jackson, who's back for another year. 33 catches of 554 yards and 3 touchdowns last year. I expect him to bring his total up to let's say 10 touchdowns this year, 800 yards and 55 catches, let's say. That's a big year, that's a big step up, but I think Pratt's one of the best quarterbacks in college football. He's going to find you if you're open, so I expect Jackson to take a big step up this year for the Tulane offense. Their best return defensive player is cornerback Jarius Monroe, who led them in interceptions last year with three, also with eight passes defended, 49 tackles, and a tackle for a loss. He's a guy to keep your eye on over the course of the season. They do a marquee game in Week 2 against Ole Miss. The current number 22 team in the country is Ole Miss. That would be a very good matchup there between Ole Miss and Tulane. Running back Quinshawn Judkins for Ole Miss will definitely help them move the ball. And then Michael Pratt, one of the most electric quarterbacks in the country, considering how good of a year he had last year. I think he takes a big step up this year and is primed for maybe a 45 total touchdown season. I think that game between Tulane and Ole Miss will be a fun one to watch. Now to close out the top 25 in the country heading into week one, Iowa is the last team of 25. They were 8-5 last season, but they had one of the worst offenses in college football, averaging just 18 and a half points per game, which was 123rd out of 131. But now they bring in Cade McNamara, who is the backup quarterback to J.J. McCarthy last year for Michigan. He played in 21 games for Michigan over his career for the Wolverines with 21 passing touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and 2 rushing touchdowns. I expect them to score more points on offense this year. And that's what really held them up last season, was offense. Their defense was great. They only gave out 13 points per game last season, which was second best in all college football. So they had one of the best defenses, second best of the country in points per game allowed. And the 8th worst offense in points per game at 18 points per game. So that's just a tough duo there when you have a very good defense but a horrible offense. I think Cade McNamara is going to help them out, at least move the ball more than they did last year. Running back Caleb Johnson is back for them as a starting back. Almost 800 rushing yards last year and six touchdowns. They need a big year from him. They need 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns on the ground from him this year. If you have a very good quarterback, it definitely opens up the run game a little more, just like the run game opens up some holes for the pass game. Hopefully, McNamara and Johnson can work together and they can help move that offense down the field more than they did last year. The Hawkeyes offense will be without tight end Sam Laporta, who got drafted to the Lions in this past draft in 2023. He had 58 catches with 657 yards and a touchdown last season. He's obviously a big loss, and they also lost a big part of their defense. Lucas Van Ness, who ended up getting drafted by the Packers in the first round, he had 11 tackles or loss in six and a half sacks last season. So they have to make up production for their most talented player on defense and the most talented player on offense. We'll see what they do this year. but They had a very strong defense, and they brought back some pieces from that defense, including... Cornerback Cooper DeGene, who led them in a very strong secondary last year, had three pick-sixes, eight passes defended, five interceptions, three tackles for loss, and 75 tackles. An all-around elite season there for DeGene. We, we will see what he does this year for Iowa's defense. Now I'm going to break down my top 15 players in this year's NFL draft coming up. I'm going to do a way-too-early mock draft for the 2024 NFL draft. Starting off with the first pick, I'm going to have the Arizona Cardinals at one, either taking Caleb Williams, quarterback out of USC, I think they end up trading Kyler Murray at some point. I've already said multiple times, I do not believe Kyler Murray is going to win you a Super Bowl. I do not see him as a franchise quarterback. So I think they're going to end up taking Caleb Williams and look to trade Murray elsewhere. With the second pick, I have the Colts taking Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver at Ohio State. Third pick, Washington Commanders. I have them taking quarterback Drake May out of UNC. I think Sam Howell's going to have a good year this year, but I think Drake May is going to be tough for them to toss up. I think they end up choosing a different UNC quarterback. They already have Sam Howell. Now they're choosing another UNC quarterback in Drake May. I think Howell's going to be, have a decent year, though. I think he could go for, let's say, 28 passing touchdowns and 15 picks. I think he's going to be throwing touchdowns every week as well as making some mistakes and throwing picks because he's going to try to throw in some tight windows, maybe throw a lot of deep balls to try to hit Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson deep. I think he's capable of 25 touchdowns. I'd say 28 might be a lot. I'm going to have 25 touchdowns to Sam Howell this year, maybe 13 to 15 picks. But I think if you have a chance at Drake May... I don't think Washington's going to pass that up as of now. I have them taking Drake May with the third overall pick. With the fourth overall pick, I have the Tampa Bay Bucks taking Michael Penix, quarterback out of Washington. I think he's one of the most talented players in all of college football, and I have him winning the Heisman this year. I'm very confident in him and what he can do. As for the Bucks and what they have right now, they've Baker Mayfield, their quarterback. Kyle Trask is their backup. I think if you have a chance to take a franchise quarterback like Michael Penix at fourth overall, even if he's a lefty, you go out there and you take him at fourth. I have the Bucks taking him with the fourth overall selection. I have the Green Bay Packers in the fifth overall pick, and I've been taking Dallas Turner, a defensive end out of Alabama. The Packers, I think, could be a little bit better than the Bears this year. So even though I have the Packers picking at fifth right here, I and the Packers could maybe end up picking at seventh. I know I haven't really done my win-loss record predictions yet, which I'm going to do. This is based off of my win-loss record predictions from a couple weeks ago. So I took the 15 worst win-loss records and then just threw them all down, you know, to in inverse order. Who's going to have the first pick through 15th from the worst record to the best? And at the end of the day, this is the way things shook out from 1 through 15. But I think I'm going to change it at the end of the day. So even though I have the Green Bay Packers picking 5th right now, I think they end up picking maybe 7th or 8th. I think Chicago Bears will end up picking 5th overall rather than 7th overall. So we'll see what happens there. But I have Green Bay picking 5th in this one with Dallas Turner defensive head out of Alabama going there with a 6th pick. This pick is the Carolina Panthers pick, but it was traded to the Chicago Bears for the first overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft so that the Panthers could go and draft Bryce Young. I have the Bears taking Jared Verse, defensive end, out of Florida State with this pick. With the seventh pick, this pick is the Bears pick, owned by the Bears. I have them taking Kool-Aid McKinstry, a cornerback out of Alabama. With the eighth overall pick, I have the Arizona Cardinals taking Joe Alt, an offensive tackle out of Notre Dame. I think he's one of the best tackles in the country. I'd say the best overall offensive lineman. This pick is originally the Houston Texans pick, but it is owned by the Arizona Cardinals. I have the Cardinals taking Alt out of Notre Dame here. With the ninth pick, the Tennessee Titans, I have them taking Olu Fashanu, an offensive tackle out of Penn State. With the 10th overall pick, I have the Houston Texans taking Brock Bowers, a tight end out of Georgia. This pick is through the Cleveland Browns between the Texans and Browns trade for Deshaun Watson. So with this pick, I have them going Brock Bowers out of Georgia, going to the Texans. With the 11th pick, I have the New England Patriots taking J.C. Latham in offensive tackle to Alabama. The Patriots have been neglecting offensive line in the draft, especially early in the draft, over the past couple seasons, besides taking Cole Strange in the first round of 2022. They've kind of neglected offensive line help. Only in the draft, and honestly, they've neglected it overall. It seems like with how poor that offensive line could be this year. So, I have JC Latham out of Alabama going to the page at 11 with the 12th pick. I have the Denver Broncos taking Andrew McCuba, a safety out of Clemson. I think if Russell Wilson has another poor year, though, I would expect them to maybe look at a quarterback here. And a quarterback that comes to mind to me is Riley Landon, quarterback out of Duke, maybe even Tanner Mordecai out of Wisconsin who is a sixth-year quarterback. I think he could find himself being a first-round pick in this year's draft after a strong college football season, hopefully for Wisconsin. I think there's a chance, though, Riley Leonard, though, of Duke, could be a top selection in this year's draft. I like him to be a top 15 pick. Could be a hot take to most. I see him taking a big step up this year for Duke's offense. I think Riley Leonard is a very underrated quarterback in the ACC and one of the better quarterbacks in all college football. But I do have the Broncos taking Macuba a safety out of Clemson. Maybe they try to run it for another year with Russell Wilson. We'll see how things work out. With the 13th overall pick, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking Xavier Worthy, a wide receiver out of Texas. I had them originally taken Rome O'Dunes, a wide receiver out of Washington, but I am changing it to Xavier Worthy, wide receiver out of Texas. I think Worthy is the second best wide receiver in the country, so I have Worthy going second overall. With the 14th pick, I have the Seattle Seahawks taking Riley Landon, quarterback out of Duke. He's got a very nice touch in all of his passes, a dual threat quarterback that runs tough, has great composure in the pocket. I'll tell you his similarities to Daniel Jones. I think he climbs up draft boards this year and is a contender for a top 15 pick. He's a guy to keep your eye on, at least in my opinion, to be a top 15 pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. I think Jordan Travis could find himself in the top 15 as well, especially considering how good of a year I think he has. Maybe he ends up being a top pick and maybe goes, let's say, fourth overall to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Maybe Michael Penix falls a little. Or maybe he goes ahead to Drake May and Drake May falls a little. We'll see what happens. I think there is a chance, though, that maybe, let's say, The Patriots go and draft a quarterback with the 11th overall pick if they don't buy into Mac Jones. Maybe the Patriots end up taking Jordan Travis. Who knows? That's just me throwing it out there as of now. We'll see how Mac Jones performs this year, but if they don't believe in Mac Jones, maybe the Patriots go and draft a quarterback. And in that case, in the top 15, you can maybe see Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix, let's say Jordan Travis, even though I didn't have him here in the top 15, I think he's very capable of being a top 15 pick, especially considering how good of a year I think he has. And then I also have Riley Leonard being a top 15 pick. I think there's a chance Tanner Mordecai is a first-round pick, well, that's a little bit more of a long shot. I think Riley Leonard has a better chance of being a first-round pick. So there's a chance that Riley Leonard, Jordan Travis, Michael Penix, Drake May, Caleb Williams are all top 15 picks in this year's NFL draft. So we'll see what happens. But I think it makes it more interesting when more quarterbacks are top picks in the NFL draft, considering maybe you have to trade up to go and get the guy you want. If there's four or five quarterbacks that are in contention to be top 10, top 15 picks, you might have to go trade up. So it makes strategy definitely change for teams. It definitely makes it a more exciting draft for a fan's point of view. With the 15th overall pick, I have the Detroit Lions taking JV on Cohen, a god out of the universe in Miami who is a transfer from Alabama. The Lions already have a strong offensive line. Maybe they go out and try to draft a guy and make that offensive line even stronger. Maybe they go and take maybe Romo Dunes, a wide receiver out of Washington, maybe try to help Jared Goff and give him another weapon alongside Amon Ross St. Brown. There's a chance they go out and do that. So we'll see what happens there, but there is my projection for a top 15 mock draft in a way too early 2024 NFL draft projection. We'll see what happens. I think it makes things more exciting than when you do a couple mock drafts early in the year and see how things work out by the end of the season, see if some hot takes worked out and which hot takes didn't. I probably will record another episode, I'd say, on Tuesday when I'm going to give a whole recap of the week one college football season, including a brutal loss earlier today for the Boston College Eagles against Northern Illinois. Not really too sure how they end up losing that game. I was very high on the Eagles this year, maybe winning seven games. But if you're losing to NIU to start the season, a team that really struggled last season in the MAC. You're probably not going to go out and win seven games, at least the way things stand now. But you still have another 11 games to try to get back on track. Maybe the Eagles win a game nobody expects them to by the end of the season. So maybe it cancels out with this loss. We'll see how things work out. But obviously not the best way to start the season for the Eagles. I'll give you my thoughts on the whole game. After watching film and some highlights, I didn't really get to see too much of it. I actually was only at the game for about 15 minutes since I had a fantasy draft at 1 o'clock. So I wasn't able to really watch much of the game at all. But I'm going to definitely give a recap of it probably on Tuesday and give you my thoughts on what I think will happen in their game next week against Holy Cross at home at Alumni Stadium. Hopefully the Eagles can get a win and get themselves back on track. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.